Good evening. Please have your Bible ready in the book of Acts, chapter 17. I'll meet you there in just a moment. Acts, chapter 17. No surprise when I tell you that I love preaching. Everything about preaching. Study, preparing, organizing, planning, delivery. What I love most is I have a perfectly reliable source a perfectly reliable book to preach from. And there are always people who want to hear what this book says. They want to hear it and change their lives. People like me and people like you. So part of this interest I have is to read and study carefully sermons recorded in Scripture. Like this sermon Paul delivered in Acts 17, verses 16 through 34. I want to read this, and then we'll get into the sermon. We'll get into Paul's sermon, and look at some of the parts of it, some of the highlights of it, and that will lead us to some good personal applications. Acts 17, I'm starting at verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens... His spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along, and observe the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet, He is actually not far from each one of us. 
For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine person is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus and the Areopagus, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. The first thing that strikes me when I read this sermon delivered by Paul in Athens is that he was provoked by the condition of the community that he observed when he got there. What was it that provoked Paul? What moved him to preach this particular sermon in this particular place? It wasn't the economic condition. It wasn't the educational system. It wasn't health care, weather, infrastructure, or politics. It was the spiritual climate of the community he observed. And it's captured by that phrase, the city was full of idols. Maybe what I should say is the unspiritual climate of that community. Their religious practice was to fill the place with idols. Even if they didn't know the names of all of them, their practice was to fill the place with idols. And this got Paul's attention. See, Paul wasn't a tourist visiting for the sake of curiosity or recreation. He wasn't a journalist with an assignment. He was a man of God with a message from God to people who really didn't know God. If I had to state the essence of this in a sentence, that would be it. He was a man of God with a message from God to people who didn't really know God. He was provoked by what he saw, the condition of the community. I would ask, are we provoked by the condition of Hidalgo County, the spiritual, moral condition. You know, in one sense, this is a place full of idols, though not the same kind that Paul observed in Athens. But the carnal passion for ungodly recreation, that is an idol in our society, it's here. The hold that huge religious institutions and empires have on people over many generations and in our society, it's here. The indifference and even disdain for the study of Scripture that you see in society and in the world, it's here. 
So this area, this community that we live in, in this sense, is full of idols. And we have the message that can break through those attachments. So are we doing all that we could do? Are we just maintaining our keeping house? We need the kind of passion and zeal Paul illustrated. To be so provoked and disturbed by the conditions around us that we get serious and urgent about the preaching of the gospel, starting with people we know, and then supporting the collective work as indicated this morning. There is a need here just as there was in ancient Athens. Something else I noticed in this sermon Paul delivered in Athens. Paul moved about in the community and it says he talked to whoever happened to be there. That's interesting. He talked to whoever happened to be there. Now, this is hard for me and maybe hard for some of you to take advantage of opportunities when we're out in the public to talk to strangers about what we're doing here without being abrupt or offensive, to strike conversational opportunities. To ask someone if they read the Bible and would they like to come to a Bible class. I know some of you are doing that. Would they like to come to a Bible class? Have you asked the question? I tell you, we need to look around and see the condition in society and in our community. And though it may be hard, we need to learn from Paul's example. He reasoned in the synagogue and the Jews and the devout persons with people that he encountered at what was the ancient equivalent of Walmart and HEB. Now, where did I get that? In that phrase... You heard in Acts 17, in the marketplace. Now the reaction wasn't always cordial. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? But Paul continued talking to people about what he knew the truth was from God. Now, what was the main subject? He was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. The resurrection in the general sense that God has promised to his people and to everybody, a good resurrection or a bad one, but specifically the resurrection of Jesus Christ was thematic in Paul's preaching. There was clarity about what he was talking about. Everybody knew what he was saying, though they perhaps did not understand the full meaning of it. Even if they didn't agree, Paul preached with clarity. It was memorable. Isn't it frustrating? When you watch a video of a preacher or you are present in an audience... And the man stands up and he may read from the Bible and may have adequate volume and passion, but he is vague. And after the sermon, you're really not sure what the main idea was. 
When Mark Roberts and I conduct workshops for preachers in Dallas every year, we talk to them about something we call the Walmart test. Here's what that is. We say to preachers, if someone heard your sermon and they were listening well on Sunday and they encountered on Monday somebody in Walmart who asked them what was the sermon about yesterday, if that question can't be answered by people who were there and who were listening carefully, you might not have hit the right mark of clarity in your delivery. Clarity is essential when you're talking to people about the most important relationship ever, their relationship with God. So imagine that you are in Athens and you're listening to Paul preach and you're overhearing these conversations with the philosophers. And the next day you're in the marketplace, the ancient equivalent of Walmart or H-E-B, and somebody says, what was that man talking about yesterday? You're going to say, maybe, I don't understand it fully, but he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He told us about this man called Jesus who was killed, but he was raised from the dead. He told us to give up our idols. He talked to us about the one living God and called upon us to change our lives, to repent. See, Paul delivered a clear, plain message from God in Athens to people who were involved in idolatry, even those they couldn't name. And there were people, by the way, willing to listen. Did you hear this in verses 19 through 21? And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are preaching. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. And then later in the context, there are people who want to hear more. And in verse 34, some men joined him and believed. This encourages me, and it should encourage us. If Paul could find people who were willing to listen and who were interested in the ancient city of Athens that was filled with idolatry, we ought to be able to find people in Hidalgo County willing to listen at least. Are we looking for them? Are we passing out these cards? Are we sharing the website? Paul's initiative and courage needs to be in each one of us. And his initiative and courage were products of his faith in Christ, his love for God, and his interest in those who were lost. Here's where I want to take us now. Briefly, four things he did in this sermon. He connected his sermon with what he saw in the community, what he saw in the culture that was contrary to good relationship with God. He saw right away raw, misguided religion in the form of idolatry and attempt to honor many different gods, even those they didn't know. 
in carrying on the Lord's work and specifically in preaching, we need to deliver what's needed. All you have to do is look around in the country, in the society, in the community, in the neighborhood, maybe in yourself. And what we see that is addressed in the Word of God, we need to speak. He introduced them to God, the God they didn't know. All that we do in our work, our influence, our lives, our messages should inform people of the one we serve. People ought to see in us what we do collectively, how we live individually, our influence, our conversation. People ought to see in us the one we serve. It is like we should be saying to the community and to the world and the people around us who are unbelievers, may I introduce you to God. We introduce God to people with words and influence of our behavior. We tell people about God's word. We encourage people to read it and follow it. We listen for clues and opportunity to introduce people to our Father. And then Paul told them what they needed to do. We seek not just to inform people of who Christ is and what he did, but to make certain we tell people what they must do in response to him. May I repeat that? We seek not just to inform people of who Christ is and what he did, but to make certain we tell people from Scripture what they must do in response to him. And the book of Acts is a reliable source for that purpose. Faith, repentance, confession, baptism, it's all there on these pages for us to share with our friends and people we don't even know. Paul called upon the people to repent, and I have no doubt, with additional words, he taught them all that is wrapped up in that word and concept of repentance, turning from sin to God, obeying the gospel. What a great, simple approach preachers can use, and we can use in our conversations with people, or maybe with someone in a home Bible study. One more thing. He told them there will be future judgment. Verse 31, he said about God, he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. Now, why is that so important? Because it gives urgency to everything else. You tell people about God and His plan. You tell people about Christ and His death. You talk to people about the resurrection of Christ and the promise of an eventual resurrection, either a good resurrection or a bad one. You tell people all about that. You tell them what to do to obey the gospel. Then the urgency of it is God has fixed a day on which... He will judge the world. It all comes down to that final reality. He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. 
I want us to listen one more time. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along... And observe the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. I want to encourage you to read the sermons in the Bible. The sermons delivered by Jesus and the apostles. Those passages can help us know what to say. 
and how clearly it needs to be said and the urgency of speaking God's word to people. Part of Paul's sermon was, in God, the one living God, we live and move and have our being. We have friends and neighbors who need to hear that. If we have this closeness with the Creator, if we see the value of the gospel and the work of the Lord, I believe we will want to tell others about God and how He is accessed through Jesus Christ. And what, what is the urgency of this? God has fixed a day on which He will judge the world. Let's be standing to sing.